This morning, uh, we are continuing in our series on uh, the names of Jesus. We're essentially discovering a variety of different names that have been attributed to our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And the whole hope or desire in this is as we travel over these several weeks, uh, we're going to culminate at Easter. And in that, the desire is that we will come and as we worship our risen Savior, we will reflect back on these names of the one who we worship. Um, it's always interesting to see these descriptions because what we need to remember and recognize is the names that have been attributed to Jesus aren't, they're not nicknames. They're not just there to fill. They're not there to essentially uh, place something that isn't of substance. And the reason that I bring that up is when we look at these names, we begin to discover that each of them are focusing on a particular attribute that further describes who the king is that we worship. But we're also seeing at times how these names link with one another to give a greater understanding of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. This morning, we're going to be looking at two names that are given to Jesus, and they're actually uh, given in the book of Revelation. The first is Bright Morning Star, and the second one is Lion of the Tribe of Judah. It's interesting that these names are attributed to Christ, and my prayer this morning as we see this, we're going to get an idea as to why these names are given to Christ. But before we do, I want to take a moment, and uh, I want to just talk a little bit about the whole reason why we're looking at this in the sense of the descriptions given in Revelation. What's interesting is, is both of these names are unique to the book of Revelation. We hear about the lion, we hear about the coming of someone who will lead, but in a moment also when we look at this, we're going to see this juxtaposition of an attribute of a lion placed with a lamb. We need to remember that because we also need to see and realize that only Christ can be the one who is both lion and lamb. We're also going to look at the bright morning star. We're going to see why that's been attributed to Christ because in a moment we're going to see that mythologically speaking in Jesus' day, there was a lot of understanding and mythology behind not only the sun, but the planet Venus. And I'm going to explain that to us in just a moment. So this morning, again, we're asking a very simple question, which is simply this. What does it mean to call Jesus the bright morning star and also the lion of the tribe of Judah? The first name that we're going to look at is the bright morning star. And in Greek, for those of you that are interested, it's Aster Lampros Proenos. Okay? That's what is written. But to do that, I want to take a minute and I want to ask several of you, how many of you have had an opportunity fairly recently or maybe a memorable opportunity to go out and watch a sunrise? Anybody have the opportunity to do that? I don't see, think we have a lot of early risers here because I'm not seeing a lot of hands. Okay? There is something about a sunrise. There is something about the light breaking into the darkness. There is something about looking across the horizon and seeing essentially that glow begin to rise and then obviously the first part of the sphere of the sun breaking out across and essentially beginning to burn or embrighten the area around you. One of the things that we need to remember and recognize is our world today is very mechanized. We're in a world where we have watches. We're in a world where we have time. We're in a world that is essentially dominated by a clock or a particular aspect. We know what's going on. We have to remember back in Jesus' day and for quite some time until the modern invention of the timepiece was the start of the day, the beginning of the day began with the breaking of the sun. It was an anticipated event. The other thing that we need to remember and recognize is for a long period of time, darkness was attributed to despair, to death, to evil. It's part of the reason why a lot of times, for lack of a better word, when we see a horror movie, the majority of them are taking place at night. It is just part of this idea that evil is present in darkness. And yet we hear about Christ being light. We read about Christ being light. And then here at the end of 
the scriptures, to begin in the book of Revelation, we hear Jesus being attributed as the bright morning star. So the first thing that I want to just share with you to kind of get us sort of on par with what's going on here is this. Roman mythology would consider the sun to be guided by Sol, okay? The god of the sun. Greek mythology had two sun gods, Helios, the god of the sun, and Apollo, the god of light and justice. When Jesus declares that he is the bright morning star, he is saying, among other things, that he has brought about the dawn of, this is important to see, a dawn of a new day in which darkness of sin and death must flee. One of the reasons that we uh, always kind of talk about at Easter, I love to do this. I love to post a picture on Facebook. Uh, I see other individuals posting uh, essentially Easter morning, right? He is alive. He is risen. He is risen indeed. Or light breaks into what? The darkness. That's what we're celebrating here. That's the name that's attributed to our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And to remember this, we have to see that back in Jesus' day, there were a variety of different attributes given to a variety of different gods that people would believe were behind the movement of these entities. And so one of the things that you want to see is this, that Jesus is saying, these aren't the gods that you worship. You worship me. But I'm also going to tell you that as the bright morning star, I am essentially the announcement or the precursor to the coming light that is around us, which is the forgiveness of sin, the eradication of sin, the death of evil, and the destruction of evil. And so one of the things that we need to remember and recognize is that Christ, as the bright morning star, has already won the victory but will ultimately win the victory when he comes again. The next thing that I want to share with you is this. As the bright morning star, Jesus, as we've seen, has removed darkness of sin, death, and despair. Think about this for a minute. Just in a pictorial image, I want to share this with you. Okay? Think about your life and the sin that we all have. We all recognize that all fall short of the glory of God. We all know that we are sinners in need of a Savior. We also recognize that we have no ability to bring about light in our own life. The only one who can bring about that light is our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. So take a minute and just ponder this. Imagine the anticipation of a sunrise recognizing that when that sun breaks over the horizon, your sins and your separation from God are forgiven. Now, I'm not saying that Jesus is the sun. This is a pictorial image that's going to help individuals relate to what Jesus is saying, particularly to the individual of Jesus' day. He is saying, when you look at the sun, when you see the bright morning star, it is an indicator of what is to come. It is an indicator of who I am. It is an indicator that I have broken the darkness, I have broken sin, I have broken death, and my light will remain. Just pause there for a minute. No more sin, no more death, no more evil, because Jesus is the bright morning star. The other thing that I want to share with you too is, is particularly in this, Darkness, death, and despair were all attributed to individuals who were essentially people that they, they would, would, would claim were apart or beyond, quote-unquote, repair, okay, in mythological thinking. These were individuals that were cast aside. These were individuals that had no ability to come forward and receive hopefully, some form of aid or whatever it might be from these mythological gods. What if that were us? What if, in your life, you were told you are going to be in darkness, despair, and you have death upon you for the remainder of your life? How much more would you applaud, rejoice, 
be excited about the sunrise as the bright morning star comes about. That's what's being discussed in this, in this uh, idea. One of the things that I want to share with you as we talk about the bright morning star is this. There's an attribute to the sun because things revolved around the sun, but also individuals would be looking to, and they didn't know it at this time, but the planet Venus. Venus is essentially the brightest entity in the sky apart from the sun and the moon. And often we've heard Venus being attributed to being either the bright morning star or the evening star. And it's a precursor to the coming of light. And so Venus has often been considered to be the bright morning star or an evening star. It is often seen in the eastern sky just before sunrise. Any of you like to see astronomy or go out and watch sunrises? Oftentimes, right before the sun rises, you can see Venus prior to the sun coming up over the horizon. Therefore, this is what's being stated by Jesus saying he's the bright morning star, Christ is the herald of the coming removal of darkness to be overcome and eradicated by the onslaught of light. That's what he's saying. I am telling you, says Jesus, at the bright, as the bright morning star, that darkness, sin, and death have been destroyed, and I'm going to tell you that there is going to be a sunrise when it is completely destroyed. As I come again, and what we're going to see in a moment, is not as the lamb, but as the lion of the tribe of Judah. These two are intertwined in how they relate. These two are intertwined in how they go about describing who Jesus is. The other thing that I want to share with you is this. As the bright morning star, Jesus has brought about hope, peace, joy, and justice to the world. If you guys have your Bibles with you, we're just going to take um, a, a moment. And we're in uh, Revelation 22. We're right, we're right toward the end of the writing of Revelation. And Jesus says this, I, Jesus, have sent my angel to give you this testimony for the churches. I am the root of the offspring of David and the bright morning star. Right here, what Jesus is saying is, look, I am the Messiah. I am the one who is in the line of David. Do not miss this. But I am also the one who is the bright morning star. And so you have to go back and you have to think about this mythologically speaking because individuals would be thinking through, number one, Jesus is referring to himself above the Greek and Roman gods, but he's also attributing the fact that he is the one not these other individuals who has the ability to remove sin, death, darkness, and despair. That's huge in Jesus' day. Because again, the people of Jesus' day would look to these gods and hope or pray or sacrifice or try in a way to appease these gods in an effort that perhaps by appeasing them they might have the ability through these gods should they be interested in them to remove the struggles that they have. The difference that we see is Jesus is saying number one, these aren't the gods that you worship. Number two, I am the bright morning star. And number three, I've eradicated Sin, darkness, death, and despair. You don't need to look to that anymore. You don't need to try to sacrifice. You don't need to appease these gods anymore. But not only that, notice that we see that Jesus has brought about hope, peace, joy, and justice to the world. If we remember back and we look at the Greek gods, we read about Apollo, the god of light and justice. Many people thought that Apollo was the one who would come and bring about light or justice to the world. Those who were essentially being um, 
persecuted, for lack of a better word, for whatever it might be, those who were wondering about justice, they would go to this God and they would think he is the one that is going to bring about or right the world in his time or in his place. So Jesus is also saying, not only am I the bright morning star who has brought about forgiveness of death, sin, and despair, but I'm also the one who is going to bring about peace, hope, and justice to the world. We're going to see that in a minute, too, when we talk about Jesus being the lion of the tribe of Judah. An exercise of faith. I just want you guys to do this, on, do this for me, okay? Everybody? Something, something you'll do, a little homework assignment? Can we do that? Yes? No? Yes? Okay. Exercise of faith. This is what I want to share with you. Do me a favor this week, okay? Uh, we've got some sunny days coming up. Pick a day, just pick a day, whatever it might be, okay? Get up before the sunrise, I'll help you out. That's about 6.30 a.m. for those of you that are looking. And as the sun is currently rising uh, right now about 7.10, so get up about 6.30 because that's before it's gonna break over the, the horizon. And look to the east. And as the sun begins to rise, I want you to take time just take time to ponder and praise God for the fact that through Christ's death and resurrection from the grave, Christ has brought about hope, peace, joy, and justice to the world. Just take it as an exercise of faith. That's all I want you to focus on, okay? Pause your day, set it up right, do what you need to do, get up to where you don't have anything going on, okay? If you're with your family, that's fine, but get out there, and I want you to get out before the sun rises, and as you ponder that, I want you to think about what would happen if Christ had not come. I want you to think about the onslaught of darkness. I want you to think about the continuation of sin. I want you to think about the continuation of despair. I want you to think about the continuation of death and destruction. I just want you to ponder that for a moment. Okay, This is just a simple exercise. And then what I want you to do is as that light begins to kind of break up over the horizon, as that glow okay, begins to kind of rise over, I want you to think about the anticipation of hope. I want you to think about the anticipation of peace. I want you to think about the anticipation of justice. And then at the moment, if you can, right, Right as, not just the glow, but right as the sun breaks, right? Right as that, you know, that piercing kind of uh, spherical aspect of the sun breaks through and it hits your eyes, I want you to think about the finished work of the cross, okay? The, 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 the piercing light that says, it is done, it is over, and it is eradicated, okay? Because what? Light has overcome the darkness, and then I want you to think about the aspect of Jesus being the bright morning star, which is attributed essentially to Venus. Okay? This marker, this indicator that light is about to break forth and eradicate darkness. And here's what I want you to do. I want you to then look and say, you know, there's a lot going on that's wrong in the world. There's a lot of concern in the world. There are a lot of things that are outside of our control. There are a lot of things that we worry about. But when you begin to think about that, I want you to go back and I want you to remember the moment that the sun breaks through and say, light has overcome the darkness and pictorially speaking, just as that exercise of faith has occurred, there is a day, just as we trust that the sun will rise tomorrow, where Jesus will come. Period. As the bright morning star. Where light, as it has been, will continue and finally overcome the darkness. And the world that we are in, the world of brokenness, the world that is cursed, the world that is ruled by the prince of darkness will no longer be the case. And then I want you to just take a minute and as you feel the warmth of the sun, okay, hitting your face, I want you to just to ponder the warmth of the love of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. 
and to recognize that that love is encapsulated in peace, joy, hope, and grace. The next thing that I want you to see is this. As the bright morning star, Jesus should be the focal point as we navigate the seas of life. Why is this, okay? One of the things that we need to remember and recognize is back in Jesus' day, Venus, again, was referred to as the bright morning star, but it was also a core piece, okay, in circumnavigation of the seas. Anyone who was navigating the seas by night would use Venus as a foundational indicator to know where they were. Why? Because it could be trusted, it could be relied upon, it was always there, it always demonstrated and indicated where other things were in relation to itself. And so if a mariner got lost at sea, one of the things that they would do is is they would look for what was called the bright morning star. Find it interesting that Jesus also has that name attributed to himself. Friends, one of the things that I want to share with you is is that when we get lost in life, when, for lack of a better word, we are in the seas of life and the tempests come, may we look to the bright morning star as our focal point to find the navigation that we need to continue to move forward in faith. Quit looking to other sources. Quit becoming confused about where you are to go in life. Look to what is firm and true and what can be relied upon, the bright morning star. I want to share this with you. Among the celestial bodies, Venus held a special place in the navigational repertoire of early mariners. Its brilliance and visibility throughout the night along with its predictable patterns of motion, made it an ideal reference point for sailors. Just pause there for a minute, okay? Let's attribute this to Christ, okay? Its brilliance, his brilliance and visibility, okay? Christ has made himself known in the scriptures. He's not hiding himself, All we need to know about who God is and our relationship apart from God and with God and our need for him as well as after coming to him, how we are to live is right here in the scriptures. And so in that, we see his visibility. We also know that that visibility will continue in this throughout the night. It's not going to go anywhere. It's not as if the scriptures are here and then all of a sudden they're going to be removed or they're going to go away or they're going to fade or they're going to dim or they're going to disappear. They're there. They're reliable and they also have predictable patterns. Friends, one of the things I can tell you is is when we look at the promises of scripture, when we look at who Christ is, when we look at what he said, when we look at what he has done, when we look at what he promises he will do, In this sort of analogy, as we are out in the middle of the sea, we need to remember and recognize that Christ is the one that has got us to the point where we're at, and Christ is the one who will get us to the port that we are due. Period. And so stop looking for other stars. Stop looking for other sources. Look to the one who is predictable, reliable, to the one that the mariners rely upon. In various cultures, Venus was referred to as the evening star or the morning star due to the appearance of uh, the western or eastern sky during different times of the year. This made it easily distinguishable and recognizable, serving as a reliable guide for sailors to orient themselves and establish their direction of travel. Why, when given this compass, when given this direction, when given this solidarity, do so many people choose to look to something else? Why do we try to navigate? 
Why do we look to other things? And when they move, when they're not there, when they're not reliable, do we then turn and blame our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ and say that it's his fault for our poor navigation in life? Friends, what I want to encourage you in is I'm not telling you that when you follow Jesus, everything's perfect and you get what you want, where you want, and, and, and how you want it. But what I am telling you in love, but also in encouragement and exhortation is this. So often will people come forward and will they look to Christ for their navigation. But then in those moments where things become unclear, when things become hard, things become challenging, when they look and they've been navigating with Christ and they become concerned and they don't like, quote unquote, what they see on a temporal level, so often do they turn their gaze to something else and try to navigate life that way. And for a while it might be good, for a while they might feel like they're making progress, for a while they might see movement, but what they need to remember and recognize is that they've taken off their eyes from the one true bright morning star. So lovingly what I want to tell you is this, is when the world tries to come and tell you to say, turn your gaze elsewhere, turn your gaze to something different, what I'm going to tell you is this. Continue to focus your eyes on Jesus, who is the bright morning star that you can trust on because, as we've seen in sort of circumnavigation and maritime study, Venus is the reliable aspect that will get you from point A to point B securely. Just as Christ, as the bright morning star, is the navigational piece that will get you from point A, your sin, your despair, your death, and your destruction, to point B, your life, your hope, your peace, your justice, and the forgiveness of your sins securely. That's what's being said here. This is another point that I want you to ask yourself, a point to ponder as a bright morning star. Are we trusting on the reliability of Jesus to guide us and bring us to safety into port as we navigate the seas of life? And just, just stop there, okay? I just want you to, to, to ponder that for a moment, right? Um, been on a few cruises. There's been a couple of times where I've been, I, I would say, kind of out in the ocean where you can't see the, the, the shoreline. I don't know if anybody, anybody ever have that happen, right? It's a little, little ominous, to be honest with you. I, um, I enjoy the ocean, I enjoy water, I enjoy being in water. Um, but it is a little bit odd when you get to a point and you see the horizon go behind the waterline, and the next thing you know and all you see is just water all around you, right? The other thing that I'll tell you is, is and Kelly will attest to this, I'm pretty good, I'm, I'm actually pretty good at directional understanding. Um, I'm kind of the one that when we're looking at things, I can say, okay, you know, east is over here because the mountains are in the west, and so, you know, if we're trying to go north, we've got to go this direction, that means that things are there. What I'll tell you is, is a lot of times in the middle of the ocean during the day, if you don't know necessarily where the sun is, it's very easily to become disoriented and distracted. What I'm trying to share with you is this. In your walk with Christ, right? When the shoreline of whatever it is that you hold on to, right? Because we like to hold on to something, don't we? We like to say, okay, I'm going to go out in this direction, but I'm always going to know that behind me, I've got something to hold on to if it doesn't work, right? I've got something that I can always go back to, that I can refer to, that I can hold on to if it doesn't work. But oftentimes what Christ will do in our life is he will push us to a point where we're out in the middle of the ocean with nothing else to hold on to. And at times that can become very scary because we don't have anything to hold on to other than Jesus. But in those moments when we discover that we don't need to hold on to those things, that Christ is our guide and our hope and our peace and our love and our joy, that's when the solidarity of our relationship begins to grow and begins to become encouraged. So friends, one of the things that I continue to ask you is this. Are we trusting Jesus to guide us and to bring us safely into port as we navigate the seas of life? 
Or are we letting other factors confuse our compass, causing us unnecessary confusion and misdirection in life? Pause for a dramatic effect. How much do you trust Christ to guide and direct your life? Better yet, how much are you letting Christ direct your life? Jesus is referred to as the bright morning star. The precursor, the announcement, the proclamation to the coming light that is going to overcome sin and death. And what's interesting in this is sort of the middle portion, and that's going to draw us into the next name, right? What we need to remember and recognize is that when this statement is made by Jesus in Revelation to John in this vision that he has, we need to remember and recognize that Christ has come, right? Okay, Christ has eternally existed, but Christ as the God, man, flesh, okay, entity, both God and man, has come, he has lived, he has died, he has risen from the grave, okay? He has demonstrated his triumph over sin and death, and he's seated at the right hand of the Father. And so the dawn has come, right? In the Old Testament, people were looking for the arrival of the Messiah, the coming of the Messiah. The dawn has occurred in an already but not yet fashion. Sin, death, destruction, despair has been eradicated by Jesus' triumph at the cross and his resurrection from the grave. But friends, we're here this morning, and I will tell you that in Christ we are forgiven. In Christ we are whole. In Christ we are clothed in white robes. We need no longer fear sin, death, nor destruction. And yet, and yet, there's still sin, death, and destruction in our world. And so we're in this middle part, for lack of a better word, where we've been separated with Christ, yet we wait with excitement and anticipation for Christ to bring us home, to bring us into port, to bring us into our arrival or destination, which is his kingdom. And so with that, what I want to tell you is this. He will do so. He's going to do so because he is the reliable bright morning star. But when he comes again, when Christ comes to claim his bride, the church, you and I, Christ will not come as a lamb led to the slaughter Christ will come as the lion of the tribe of Judah. And that brings us to the second name. The second name is Lion of the tribe of Judah. Pray for me as I try to pronounce these. Okay. It's the Areach Lamatek Yehuda, or Leon Ek Tu Philes Ayuda, the Lion of the tribe of Judah. This is the only time that this name is attributed to Jesus. This is the only time that the name is given to Jesus. But it is one of which we need to take moment and ponder because we look at how Christ can do this and how he has done it for us and why he's doing it for us. If you have your Bibles with you, I want to just take a minute. We're going to go back to um, uh, Revelation. We're going to be looking uh, at chapter 5. What we're going to see is, is we're going to see that there is this scroll. It's the scroll and the lamb. What we're seeing is, is that individuals are trying to open the scroll, and no one is worthy of doing so. No one can essentially open this scroll in and of itself. And along comes Jesus, and what we see is, is that as the lion, he is the one who is worthy of opening this scroll. We're going to pick up in verse 4. 
And essentially it says, I wept and wept because no one was found who was worthy to open the scroll to look inside. This scroll is essentially the revealing or what is going to happen over the next period of time to the world and the establishment of God's kingdom. No one can find it. No one can open it. No one has the ability to do so. And so here, essentially, what's going on is, oh my gosh, is this going to occur? Can this happen? What is going to be our destiny? Then one of the elders said to me, do not weep. Just, just pause there for a minute, okay? We, we read this so quickly, right? Do not weep. Pause for a minute. What if that scroll could not be opened? What if we were frantically trying to open this scroll, wondering what our destiny will be, wondering what we are due for, wondering what's going to happen to us, and time and time again, each and every one of us goes forward to try to open that scroll, and each and every one of us fails. And the clock is ticking, and movement is going forward, and we begin to realize, are we stuck in sin and despair? Who is the one? Is there one? Can there be one? Where is the one? Is there someone powerful enough to do this? That's what's happening. Friends, I don't know about you, but when we realize that if that scroll does not open, that our lives are destined for something that isn't good, I think there'd be a lot more than weeping. And one of the others said to me, do not weep. See the lion of the tribe of Judah relating Jesus back to his rightful heir, his rightful reign, but he is the lion of the tribe of Judah. The root of David, establishing him in David again, has triumphed. Okay? If you have your Bibles... Sort of that word, okay? Triumphed, period, final, complete, done. No more, no more need. Isn't, is going to triumph, will triumph, is partially triumphed, has sort of done it for a moment, but then there's something else. Triumphed, done, final, over. He is able to open the scroll and it's seven seals. Friends, one of the things that I want to share with you is this, that as the lion of the tribe of Judah, Jesus is the only one worthy to open that scroll. Now, now ponder the uniqueness for a moment. Okay? And the reason that I wanted to share this with you is, is again, think about just people, okay, time and time again, trying to come forward and open that scroll. I've mentioned before kind of the idea of like Excalibur, Right? Individuals coming and trying to pull the sword of Excalibur out and no one can and no one can and no one can and no one can. And then along comes Christ and he is the one who is able to open that scroll. And the only one. Two things that I would share with you is this, the uniqueness of who Jesus is but then also the power and the authority that Jesus has. Because he opens that scroll as the lion of the tribe of Judah yet what we're going to see in a minute, he is also the lamb that has been led to the slaughter. And that's what I want to share with you. Okay. I think it's interesting to note that in Revelation 5, 4 and 5, the only, it is the only time that Jesus is described as a lion. Okay, this is the only reference that Jesus is fully described. I am the lion of the tribe of Judah. And what it is, is it's a picture. It is a picture of the risen Jesus, okay? Stating that he is the only one found worthy to open the scroll which reveals God's plans and purposes for the world. How fitting to the Son of the living Father, part of the Trinity, the triune God. He is the one who's worthy and should be the only one who is worthy to move forward and open that scroll. 
The other thing that I want to share with you too is as individuals would remember and recognize that oftentimes scrolls were imparted with kingly seals. Okay? A scroll would be written, it would be sort of put together, and then there would be a wax piece put on it with the king's seal that could be only broken by the one who it was being sent to. And careful attention was made to that, that obviously should the scroll move into something of the wrong hands, the individual did not have the authority to do so. And so what the Father also is saying to Jesus is, is this is the one who I tell you has the authority to open the scroll to tell us and show us what the destiny of mankind is during this time. And yet, okay, um, I wanted to take a minute, take a look at your bulletin and everybody thank Betty. Betty did a great job with this. Okay. Right. Just take a minute and look at the lion. Right? Note its majesty. Okay. Note its strength. Note its power. Note its authority. That's the Christ that is coming. But I want you to know that the Christ that is coming is also the lamb that was led to the slaughter. And so the next thing that I want to share with you is this. So this is why Jesus is so unique and why, to be honest with you, my heart resonates for what we call, and I attribute this to uh, John Piper, okay, the lamb-like lion. Friends, one of the things that I want to share with you is this, that as a lion of the tribe of Judah, Jesus is mighty to save. Okay? That's the picture that is there. He is worthy, he is mighty, he is capable to save. Yet he is gentle as a lamb in dealing with our sin. Christ had to become a lamb in order to be sacrificed so that our sins might be forgiven. Christ also deals with our sin gently. He's slow to anger, abounding in love, abounding in mercy and grace. But I'm also going to tell you that when Christ comes, whenever the Father says, Jesus, it's time to go, collect your bride, as the lamb who was led to the slaughter, as the lamb who is the one who is gentle, meek, and lowly to forgive us of our sins so that we might come to God through mercy, grace, and the forgiveness that he has given when Christ returns, he is coming back as a lion. And I find it interesting as you think about this because Jesus is the only one who can be both lion and lamb. Jesus is the only one who can hold on to both of those attributes. John Piper says it way better than I do. He says it in a message that was given on Palm Sunday back in 1986. Um, it's basically entitled Christ the Lion and the Lamb. And this is sort of the, the juxtaposition of both of these pieces that, that John is describing for us as seen not only in the book of Revelation, but also as the other attributes are, that are given to Christ throughout the scriptures. And John says this, what sort of lion was he? So think about this. What kind of a lion is Jesus? And this is why... I, my heart is just so in love with our Savior. He was a lamb-like lion. Doesn't make sense, does it? How can you be a lamb-like lion? Only Christ can do this. The Lion of Judah conquered because he was willing to act on part of a lamb. He came in Jerusalem on Palm Sunday like a king on the way to a throne. And he went out of Jerusalem on Good Friday like a lamb on the way to the slaughter. Okay. So we're tying this to Easter. Think about this. And prayerfully, just maybe mark this down in your Bible somewhere or whatever. Okay. When we move toward Easter, which is coming up soon, 
I want you to think about the fact that here is a lion who has chosen to become a lamb. Here is a lion who could easily devour the lamb. Here is a lion who is the king and ruler of all, yet he has said, I will come as a lamb to be sacrificed for you, being led to the slaughter. Remember in recognizing that it took an unblemished lamb in the sacrifice to have people's sins be, I'll use the word forgiven, but they weren't really forgiven because we learned back in Hebrews that really what was going on there was something that was more of a show of pomp and circumstance. Forgiveness to where people looked good on the outside, but we learned that the priestly order was not able to cleanse people on the inside for the forgiveness of our sin. And so in this, we have a lamb coming forward to be sacrificed for the forgiveness of our sins. Yet there's a lion inside who is our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. We continue on, and John Piper says, he drove out robbers from the temple like a lion devouring its prey. There are these hints, there are these moments in Scripture where the lion of Jesus, for lack of a better word, is shown, his authority is demonstrated, his power is recognized, who he is is observed. Yet, friends, what he does for us is he comes forward as a lamb so that we might have the forgiveness of our sins. And I love what he says right here. He says, and at the end of the week, he gave his majestic neck to the knife and they slaughtered the lion of Judah like a lamb. And Christ does this so that we can have eternal life through him. Being a lamb, who is a lion, he, Jesus, conquered sin and death and Satan. And don't miss this point, okay? Not just because he was a lion, but because he was a lamb-like lion. The two have to go hand in hand. And friends, what I want to share with you is this. Because Jesus was willing to be the lamb taken to the slaughter, we can come forward and worship the one who has brought us out of sin and death, who will return as the lion of the tribe of Judah. That's why Jesus is a lamb-like lion. We look at this and we start thinking about who is this God that we worship, right? We worship a bright morning star. We worship the lion of the tribe of Judah. We worship all of these other attributes. And friends, what I want to share with you is this. Is we're looking at these names and, and the names that we're, we're discussing, the names that we're, we're examining they don't even completely describe who our Lord and Savior Jesus is. Even within the scriptures, there are other names that are attributed to our Savior Jesus Christ. My prayer for us is that as we travel these next several weeks, we're going to take these names, we're going to encapsulate them into our relationship with Jesus. And that when we come on Easter Sunday, when we look, when we think about Good Friday, when we think about the resurrection of our Savior, we're thinking so much more about who Jesus is and what we have because of him, given the names that have been attributed to him. And with that, what I want to share with you is, is that this would embolster your confidence in who it is that we worship, but it would also encourage and challenge you to go and share who Jesus is with individuals who desperately need him. This morning we've looked and we've essentially said, what does it mean to call Jesus the bright morning star? And what does it mean to call him the lion of the tribe of Judah? And kind of encapsulating this all with our take-home truth, I want to share this with you. As the bright morning star, 
and as a lion of the tribe of Judah. Jesus brings hope, he brings joy, and he brings peace to our world. And he does so as a lion, with power, with authority, with the ability to do so, with full strength. So remember that. He does this as a lion. But he also does this dealing with our sin as a lamb who was led to the slaughter. One of the things that we need to remember and recognize too is scripture says that there's a day coming when what? The lion and the lamb will lie down together. How can that happen apart from Jesus Christ who is the lamb-like lion? Let's pray. Father, we come before you today. We thank you for you. We thank you for these names that have been given. We thank you for who Christ is. Father, we thank you for the promises that we have in Jesus. Father, we thank you that he is the bright morning star. We thank you that he is reliable. He's dependable. I do pray that we would ask ourselves, how are we navigating life? What are we looking to? Are we looking to other things or are we trusting in Jesus to lead, guide, and direct us? Father, also I pray too that we would remember that the one who we worship is indeed a lion. When he comes again, he will come in full glory, full strength, full power, full majesty. But Father, may we remember that he also came as a lamb. And the reason that he came as a lamb was so that we might have a relationship with him. Father, thank you that Christ didn't come just as a lion. Christ didn't come just as the one in full power, full glory, and authority. But he humbled himself on a cross so that we might have eternal life. Father, may that bring hope, comfort, mercy, peace, and justice to our lives as we go about worshiping you this week. And Father, may that encourage us to tell people about the God who we worship, our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, the bright morning star, and the lion of the tribe of Judah. We pray these things in your name, dear Jesus, and we ask it all by the power and the presence of the Holy Spirit. And all God's people say,